0: Well, today I have the privilege to share with you what's happening in Romans 8. This is an awesome chapter. So if you have your Bible, you can open. Uh, I'm hoping to go all the way to verse 18. So from verse 1 to 18. We end, or Pastor Dave, end the chapter 7 last week with uh, one verse before the last one. It said, rich man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And and then now in Romans A, we're hoping that we can find the answer for this. And um, this chapter is really cool. It's probably one of the, not probably, it is the longest chapter of, of the book and one of the most beautiful chapters in the whole Bible. Uh, Martin Luther said that this is probably the masterpiece of the New Testament. That's the way that he described this chapter. Other writers said that if the scripture was a ring, a beautiful, amazing ring, the book of Romans will be the most precious stone, and uh, chapter A will be the most bright spot in that stone. That's how people see this chapter. It's a special chapter, and we will see. Sadly, I won't. Be, I was hoping I could go all the way to the end of it because the end is amazing. So, but Pastor Dave will have that honor. Um, but the chapter chapter a is is just beautiful. So, what we will see in this chapter is um, one of the things that is interesting. The chapter is star. And end, and end giving us security in Christ, who we are in Christ. So start the first, the first verse and the last verse of the chapter give us security of who we are in Christ. And we will see the privilege of justification, meaning that there is no condemnation to us. We will see the privilege of sanctification that we, will walk in, that we should walk in the spirit and not after the flesh. We will see the privilege of adoption that the Lord has made us his children. And at the end, we're also going to Find a little glimpse of uh, glorification. So that's what, we, what we're hoping to do here. And um, I invite you to pray before we start uh, this chapter. Thank you so much, Lord, because you are so good to us. And we are thankful that we have your word, that we have you, um, your voice to, to learn. And um, we pray, Lord, that you can help us to get the most out of it. We want to know you more. We want to see what you have done for us. Sometimes there are things that we never understood in a certain way, and we pray that we can find treasure in your word, Lord. We always do. We just pray that you can speak um, to us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're going to do verse uh, 1 through 4 first, and then we're going to talk a little bit, and then we keep moving forward. So now it is time that we listen, okay? There is therefore now no condemnation When I read this in English, it was like, oh, that's a lot of words that I don't get. So I had to go and read in Spanish, and, and I had the same issues. Like that's a lot of words that we had to. So it didn't make much difference. So I had to read a lot of times to kind of get more out of it. But the first thing that I want you to put attention is the first part. Now there is no condemnation to, for those who are in Christ. Absolutely none. And I, I want you to make sure that we understand this. There is no condemnation. Okay. There is nothing. And in Spanish, nada. Okay? I'm going to speak in all different languages so we all can get it right. There is absolutely no condemnation. We don't go in and out of condemnation. Okay? Meaning that what I do, and want to affect that. There is no condemnation. It's a statement. Okay? And also it can be reversed. Meaning that I cannot do anything to reverse that. Why? Because it doesn't depend on me. It depends on God. God has said that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So we can be sure that we are being justified. We call this justification, okay? And the beautiful part of this is um, that Christ doesn't just erase our sin um, and then leave us in a neutral condition, meaning that we don't go back in time like Adam, Adam and Eve, that, that we could sin again. He doesn't do that. He justifies us, meaning that he... Take uh, the perfect justice of Jesus and he assigns that justice to us, okay? This is, this is pretty cool. And we are safe and hidden in him because of him and for him. Everything is because of him. He has done this for us. So we cannot, again, you cannot do anything to reverse that. you follow me? You can do anything. You can be certain that you have security in Christ. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Verse three say, "For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin He condemned sin in the flesh." Now this is. We can be, be sure also that the problem why we couldn't reach that to be just before the Lord it, it wasn't a problem with the law. The law we know that sometimes we think, yeah, the law falls short. No, that's not true. The law was perfect. It was given by the Lord. The problem was us. We couldn't catch, we couldn't reach that standard that the, the Lord gave us. So the problem was not the law, okay? It, said it was weakened by the flesh, us. We are the one that make, you know, this situation the way it is. The, the, the law, we know that it's beautiful. The law, we know that it's perfect. And we find that in many verses in the Old Testament. Um, another important detail here, when I say likeness of sinful flesh, this is very important, Okay? Remember, the Lord was not sinful, but he came with a body in the likeness of sinful flesh. What that means? It means that he can suffer like us. He, could, he was in front of temptation just like us. He walked just like us, but he was not sinful. That word likeness is very, very important. He was not sinful. Um, our body is sinful. Our body is, is, you know, we are walking in the flesh, well, we don't walk in the flesh, but we have that the situation of the flesh and the, the mortal body, but our Lord did not. Now, what does this just justification does? The, 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 first of all, the, one, the thing that I want to say that the justification doesn't make us sinless. Okay? Put attention because I, this can get kind of, kind of weird here. We don't become sinless because the Lord justifies us. Right? We still, we still deal with sin. We still fall. We still need to ask for forgiveness. What does the justification all what it does, at least in this part of what we're reading, is that he put us in a good place uh, in a legal status. Now, we were condemned before. Now, we are not condemned, right? So, it's a legal situation that changed because what Christ did for us. Um, let me find here. Okay, think about this. The way, uh, at least the way that helped me to understand this. When a judge is in, in the court and come a guy this is a criminal, he does many things. And he said, okay, you had to pay a bail to, to be free again. So the guy come and pay that, I don't know, 1000 or $5,000. He pay and say, well, okay, the law said that you had to pay $5,000. Now you're free to go. Now is that guy, did the judge make him good? No, the guy is still sinful. He's still probably a criminal. But he's okay now before the law. That's what's, that's what's happening here. The justification doesn't make us sinless. Okay, we're still sinful. Now, The question is, what do we do with that? What do we do with a sin that we still carry around? Well, we have to keep reading because the word of God is is awesome like that. It will tell us everything. So from verse 5 to verse 8. For those who live according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, but it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. All right. Now it's going to get more, you know, a little more uncomfortable because we're going to start looking at our own heart. Okay? Um, the, the phrase that we read often is to set the mind. That's the, word that we, oh, that's the phrase I keep repeating. To set the mind. And now we're going to make two groups in here. The minds, those who, um, those who live according to the flesh and set their mind in the flesh, and those who live according to the spirit and set their mind according to the spirit, on the things of the spirit. And we we're going to find the answers between verse 5 and 8. So what happened with those who live according to the flesh and set the mind in the flesh? Well, the first thing that we find out, verse 6, what it says, for to set the mind in the flesh is death. We know that, we know that right? Also, we learned that those people are hostile. Hopefully, I'm saying it right. I was practicing that word hostile uh, to God because they don't submit to God's law. So, it's death, and those people are hostile. What I mean to be hostile? It means that you are opposed, that you are unfriendly, that you are antagonistic. Antagonistic, okay? Meaning that you are on the other side. God is over there, and you are over here. That it, that's what I mean to be hostile. And I say, and even more, they cannot submit to God's law. So even if they want to, the people that is walking in the flesh, even if they want to, they can't submit to God's law. Therefore, verse 8, they cannot please God. Okay? So we find everything in here. What happens when you live according to the flesh and set the mind in those things? It's death. You are hostile, which means that you are opposite to God. And you cannot submit to God's law. Therefore, we cannot please him. Now, what happens with those who live according to the Spirit and set their mind on the things of the Spirit? The first thing that we find here is that it's life. To do that is life. And I love how often you find this, the Lord add this a small, huge detail. It's life and peace. So, Because I always think, oh, it's cool to have life, but I mean... To have life unpeaceful, that's gonna like I, some people are like that. I don't want to live that way, but the Lord said it's life and peace. That's awesome. Like, who doesn't like peace? I like peace, I, I, hopefully, you do too. And, um, and the other thing is cool is that it's not in a future, this is present, is life and peace right now. So, if you're walking in the spirit, you can be certain that this is life and peace for you right now, not later, right now. And these people. Can submit to, God, uh, to God's law and please the Creator. So, we can say that our mind is set on the flesh if we are looking for carnal pressure, worldly profit, and the things of sense and time. Anything that is worldly is to set the mind and the things of the flesh. And anything that is uh, in the spirit it should uh, bring us to search and rejoice in the favor of God, the welfare of the soul, and the concerns of eternity. Okay? So, it's a big difference between setting your mind the things of the flesh and to set your mind the things of the spirit. The word that's going to keep repeating from now on is spirit. That's always what is going to make the difference. The Lord's spirit and the human life. That's always going to make the difference. So, how we know we are, uh, how we know where are our minds are set? That's the big question for me. So, how I know that actually. My mind is, is in the right place. Well, if we, can make, we can ask ourselves a few questions. Which of this, the flesh of the spirit, which of this do we mind the most? Which one of this we mind the most? Daily. What are we looking for during the day? Are we looking for things that are in the flesh or things that are in the spirit? Another question that we can ask ourselves. For which of this do we make provision? Meaning, w- which side are we feeding the most? Am, we reading my, am, am I reading my Bible every day? Or I'm just watching, you know, whatever the news, or Netflix, or magazines. Which one am I feeding more? Um, for which of this are we governed? Meaning, what is ruling over us? And this is a question that help us to find out where are our minds set, in the spirit or in the flesh. Um, John four twenty four it said, God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship worship in spirit and truth. So we know that God is a spirit and truth, meaning that that's his nature. Anything that is not spiritual and truthful cannot please God. It's just that simple. You cannot worship the Lord. I cannot worship the Lord if I'm not walking in a spirit and truth because it's not part of his nature. He is a spirit. So we need that spirit in order to please him. I love that verse because we usually use for worship, but this This is more than just worship, meaning that we sing here. Worship as the way that we live our life. God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Let's keep going. Uh, Verse 9 through 13. You, however, are not in the flesh but in the spirit, if, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Now, before we continue with the idea, I want to call attention to something that I was reading verse 9, and it was really interesting to me. I don't know if you caught it, but let me read it again for you and put attention in, in, in something really interesting here. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. What is that? the spirit the spirit of god and the spirit of christ i don't know but uh, to me it sounds like the trinity it sounds right there the spirit the spirit of god and the spirit of christ and it was amazing to me to find that he was like is 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 the lord working completely as he is and all his aspect to help me to to reach him extending his hand so i can be close to him um now, then we have this um, idea of the if and therefore. We're going to find this. If the spirit of God dwells in you, you are in the spirit. So there is a condition in there, right? If the spirit of God dwells in you, you are in the spirit. Again, as I said before, the spirit is the one that's going to make the difference during the whole chapter. We need the spirit of the Lord. That's what makes the difference. Um, Without his spirit, you and me can only expect what the mortal body can offer. And what is that? Death, hostility, um, and always falling short to please him. Why? Because we don't have the spirit. So all what we can aim for is what this body can give me. And this body is just going to die. We know in Genesis that this body is going back to the dust. So if I'm just trusting what this body can give me, it's, it's not much in there. But the spirit, we know that it's life, it's peace, which is awesome. But even though we all have this mortal body, he brings life with his spirit. Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you, Lord, for that because he brings his spirit in this mortal body. And the proof of this is the resurrection of the Lord. Okay, how we know this? Remember that the Lord had to die. His body had to die because that's what the body does. It needs to die. But what happened after that? What happened that part was done? His body died, he was beaten he, and, and, and his body died. What happened after that? The spirit came and bring him back to life. Which is what the spirit does. Give us life. You see how everything starts getting together here? It's so important. And then say, "But you, church, the the Church of Roman, are not debtors to the flesh. Why? Once again, the flesh, all what it brings is death, because it's the spirit, the one that makes a difference in us. One more time, the spirit. The life of the sinner goes no farther than the body, while the life of the saint rests in his spirit. I'm going to repeat that. I thought that was a beautiful beautiful way to put this. The life of the sinner goes no farther than the body, while the life of the saint rests in his spirit. Man, we need the spirit of the Lord. And thank you, Lord, for giving us his spirit. Let's continue. Verse 14. For all who are led by the spirit of God. Of God, our son of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, a son, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. I started smiling because I, I, I couldn't understand why the word air have a nation, why it's not here. Like, like you know, hostile English. I don't, I don't get it. Sometimes it's, and sometimes not. Um, but, okay, we are all led by something or someone, okay? And this is what it's talking about here, who are led by the Spirit of God, our Son of God. But if you think about it, you know, on a daily basis, uh, the student is guided by the teacher, the soldier is guided by his captain or the sergeant, um, and a tourist is led by his guide person or, or book if he has. And I was thinking that some people also, like a lot of us, we also, when we get out of here and get in the car, we need to be guided by the GPS. We all need to be guided in some degree. And a child of God also needs to be guided. And that guide is the spirit of God. We need that guidance. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. This idea of being a son of God, a children of God, is the first time that we find it here in Romans. We haven't heard that idea of being a children of God before in the other chapters. This is the first time that we read it. Um, And this idea to be led, have the idea of a walk. So it's a constant. You're always being led. It's not like you just be led from here to here, from my, I don't know, year one to year 20, and then I'm, I'm on my own. No, it's a whole walk, a whole life we need to be led by the Lord. And the walk, this walk, it, uh, we'll call it sanctification, okay? And the sanctification is the evidence of our justification, okay? The sanctification is the is the evidence of the justification and not the other way around. Meaning I cannot try to be good so I can earn justification. That's not what we learn here. You cannot try to be good and earn that justification before the Lord. The Lord justify you, and then he helped you to get sanctified because his spirit. That's when the Lord put his spirit on you, and you can start this walk. And um, let me get here. Verse 15, about the spirit of fear. That's something interesting, too. Uh, You remember when Israel was a slave? We we read many times where Israel was slave and he was, they were captive many times. The way that they obey was because they were fear, like they had fear that they were gonna be punished. That's what they obey. If they didn't obey, they were gonna get punished, and many times they were put to death. Okay? We don't have that spirit anymore. We have a different spirit, and um, we are not in this situation anymore. Because why? Because now we are His children. It's totally different. And uh, a master punishes the slave, so they, and that's why they obey, because they don't want to get punished. But a father doesn't. A father doesn't punish. A father discipline, A father does it with love, for the good of that person. Do you? I don't. I don't know if you remember this, but the word discipline comes from the word disciple. And so the way that the Lord treats us now is truly totally different. We are not by that, uh, in, in a way that we were when we were slaves of sin. Or when, the, when you think about the idea of being a slave, but now we are his children. The way that the Lord deals with you is with love now because he cares about you. He wants the best. Uh, and so now we can go to him and call him father. It's, this is awesome. This is beautiful. Um, I was thinking about the, the idea of, uh, of this word, Abba, father. And I don't know, uh, maybe I couldn't, I don't know if I found the right word in English. But in Spanish, the word is, uh, the closest word is uh Papito. The word is papa, but when you want to call somebody with more love and that you respect them and that you want to honor them and you care for them and, 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 and have affection on it, we will call them papito. That's what my kids sometimes call me, papito. <laughs> well, if they want something, most of the time. <laughs> But in English, I'm hoping, I'm, I would think that maybe maybe uh, dad or daddy or maybe something like that. But it, it's more than just to call uh, a dad or a father. Uh, the, the word is used, it has a fiction, okay? Somebody won't use Abba Father to somebody that is, is a bad father or a father that just gave birth and took off. You, they won't call him Abba Father. Have, it's, 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 the word is more beautiful than just father, okay? Okay. Um, and then say that we have the spirit of adoption, and this also kind of rocked my world when I, I just keep thinking about this because I was wondering uh, if you had think about this, the Lord. Oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> the Lord couldn't just justify us and never adopt us as His children, and and I was thinking He couldn't just make us right before Him, in, a, in in a way kind of like the angels. Okay, so we can be before Him, praise His name, serve Him, see all His glory. But never being his children. But the Lord goes farther than that. And he adopts us as children. That, I don't know. I, kinda like, I couldn't believe that I didn't, didn't see that before. He, he took it farther than that. So he didn't just justify me. But he helped me also to be sanctified. And now he just takes one step over and, and farther. And he make me his son. And he made you his children. That's amazing. That's beautiful. So now I can come to him and call him, call him father. And that's a different relationship. 1 John 3. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And then, again, he doesn't stop here. So we've been justified. He helped us to get sanctified. He adopted us as his children. And now he takes it even farther now. He makes us heirs with Christ. I mean, the Lord just keeps giving and giving and giving. Do you see that? He's amazing. He's, it's, this, is, this is crazy. I don't understand how, how I know myself, so I don't understand why the Lord is so good to me. Why he just keep giving me and giving me. Um, and he, he makes us heirs. In um, earthly inheritance, this rule does not hold. Only the firstborn are heirs. Meaning that in, in, in the old times, I, I'm a firstborn. So I'm the only one that will receive, I don't know how you call it, inheritance? Is that is Is that right? From my father, my my brothers won't get it if we were living in other times, but with the Lord we are all heirs. Doesn't matter if you are the firstborn or the secondborn, because of Christ who is the firstborn. This is pretty cool. We all heirs with Him. My dad, he often joked with me, and he called me and he say, "Hey, son, the, you know the um, my firstborn, the heir of all my riches." And he doesn't have no riches, but that's, he just he just luck. <laughs> He just loved to call me that way. I don't know why. And you know, I was thinking about that as I was reading this. It's possible that if everything goes well and the economy is stable and the, we don't have any crazy war and the worst stay kind of, kind of okay and doesn't go up and down, it's possible that maybe I will get something from them as, as, uh, as his child. But the thing is that it's possible. I don't even know if that's going to happen, but with the Lord, that's a, That's that's perfect, that the Lord is perfectly different than than my parents. I know what I'm going to get. The Lord tell me what I'm going to get. We can read that. We are heirs of the creator. Do we even grasp the idea of this, what that means? It's the creator, meaning that he owns everything. You are with him. And we're going to be able to enjoy all that glory with him. How we even understand what it means to be a children of God. I, I don't know. This is the, honestly, this is the first time that I actually sit down and think deeply about this. I listened to you, I read it. I heard about it. But when I was preparing this, I, I kind of got stuck in that part of being, um, Have the spirit of adoption. And, and, and why the Lord give me this instead of being a children of God? It's the first time that I actually sit down and think about it. And the more I think about it, I'm just like, Lord, you didn't have to do any of this. Thank you for what you did. Verse 18, for I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Look what 1 Corinthians 2, 9 says. But it's written, what no eye has seen, no ear heard, nor the heart of men imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. Nothing that we may go through this world is worth to compare to what's coming I love that part when it says, not, not the heart of men imagine. So you, we cannot even grasp what's going to happen. None of you. We can try, but we're never going to reach that actually that level of understanding what the Lord has prepared for us. We're always going to fall short. It's just it, it's 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 more than we can ever gonna imagine in our mind. Um, I, I've been getting a lot of material from Voice of the Martyrs and um, Martyrs. Yeah, Martyrs. And when you read their story, it's like, man, these guys really suffered. They went through hard moments, and they still stay strong for Christ. This guy really got it. I was thinking, this guy got that idea that whatever we're going through here is nothing compared to what is coming. The Lord has something much better for us and the other side than here. Um, I love also when Paul is, is is writing that letter, and he say, you know what? I, I would love to be here with you guys and stay with you. As a matter of fact, I had to stay because of you. But the truth is, I want to be with Christ. And I love how he put it in there. I want to be with Christ. But, well, I have to stay here because of you. I love the way that he put it that, uh, there. He, he, he really understands that what is coming is way better than here. And this is what is called glorification. Uh, what is coming up. when we can, We're going to be able to see all the glory of our Lord. And, and we will be part of that. Um, so, I just hope today that we can um, make sure that we have the security of our legal status before our Lord, which is what we call justification. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So, I really hope that you are in Christ. If you're not in Christ, talk to someone of us. You need, to, you need His Spirit. That's the only way that you're going to be able to change your life, to see something different, and to have life. That's the point. That's it. So, you can enjoy life and peace. Uh, I pray that we daily search to be guided by his spirit. This is the part of sanctification, how we walk after being justified so the Lord can lead us. I desire to be able to realize more and more how beautiful it is that my father didn't leave me just justified, but he made me his son. He made me his children. He made us his children. This is the adoption. And I hope that you and me can understand that wherever we go, whatever we go through in this world, Nothing will compare ever to what is coming and what is with Christ after we pass his word. And that's called glorification. Okay. So I really I really hope you go back and read Romans 8. This, this is a great chapter. So don't don't stay with this. Go yourself, read it. And um Pastor Dave probably was gonna finish next week with the chapter. So let's pray. Thank you so much, Lord, because you are so good to us and um you just didn't do a little for us. You didn't just do enough for us. You just did so much more than that. And um, we didn't deserve it, Lord. We are thankful for what you have done for us. We are thankful for make us part of your family, part of your kingdom, and that we can enjoy all that with you because of Christ. Lord, we give you praise. There's nothing else we can do. Just give you praise, glorify your name. To you be the glory and the honor and the power. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, Let me read for you 1 Peter 5 from verse 10. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you.